0: This episode is brought to you by Tresta. Tresta is an app for iPhone and Android that lets you do business calling and texting from anywhere with no hardware, just the smartphone you're already using. Tresta is the best business phone app on the market, whether you're freelancing, working remotely, or running a small business. Growing your network and your business is all about communication. You've got to be available no matter where you are. Tresta offers the call management features that empower you to communicate smarter and more efficiently like auto attendance, call recording, user groups, and more. Tresta is easy to configure so you can set everything up yourself all online. Tresta's virtual phone system makes it easier and more affordable to set up a fully functioning mobile office. It's just $15 per user per month with no contract. So start your free 30-day trial today at Tresta.com slash frequency. That's www.tresta.com slash frequency.
1: Charlie. Charlie. Ladies and gentlemen. I'm full of optimism. Einstein. Of relativity.
0: We're still
1: seeing
0: it quite well through that haze. The fight is growing continent. E equals MC. 14, 13,
1: that all men are created equal. About the future innovations. And growing strength in the air. head
0: this is Finding Your Frequency. With your hosts, Jeff Spinard and Ryan Treasure, it's time to speak up, share your voice, and hear from the thought leaders. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another fantastic episode of Finding Your Frequency. I am your host, Ryan Treasure, and you're listening to us right here on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And if you're listening on your favorite podcasting uh, mechanism, whether it be an app or uh, online, please make sure to share this with all of your friends. And of course, give us five stars because five stars are way better than four. Uh, Again, thank you guys for tuning in to the radio show. You can follow us on Twitter at Radio Ryan 1, at Jeff Spinney 2, at Voice America TRN. And we got a great show for you guys today. Uh, you know, we always talk about business and entrepreneurship and sales and technology and all these wonderful things. And, and we have these great stories from people about how they found their frequency in life and in business and, you know, decided to step away from their their nine to five and, and maybe maybe go write a book or go become a speaker or follow their passion in any which way. But I want to kind of shift gears in this particular episode and have a discussion about health and about health and wellness and honest medicine uh, and we have a great guest her name is julia shopik she's a best-selling author of the book honest medicine effective time-tested inexpensive treatments for life-threatening diseases as well as the power of honest medicine and she's a seasoned radio talk show guest uh, who's appeared on over 200 shows and is often invited back so let's see how this goes welcome to the show julia
1: Thank you, Ryan. I hope you'll invite
0: me back. Yes, yes. Well, you know, uh... We always love to do follow ups with Fighting and Frequency with the guests that are on. So I'm sure that that'll be no different with you as well. I want to welcome you to the show. And I know that, you know, there's a lot of crazy stuff going on in the world right now. Uh, you know, the show isn't going to be about the coronavirus or about Norval 19 or anything like that. Um, but again, those are all, you know, things that are out there that are affecting people's health. And I think that there's some, you know, general things that people can do to make sure to keep themselves healthy. But, you know, you're an expert in. You know, life-threatening diseases, and how are people, you know, dealing with those? Whether it be alternative and complementary uh, complementary therapies, or you know, some of those other things. And I know that you can uh, 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 people can find out more about you uh, on your blog at honestmedicine.com. Uh, but I think before we get into the whole honest medicine, the power of honest medicine, and you know, talk about some of the ideas behind that, let's find out a little bit about Julia. Like, where did you come from, Julia? Where, uh, where in your life did you, you know, have that? aha moment like this is your passion this is this is your calling this is what you're going to do to find your frequency
1: well it's a long story but i will not make it long here i started out you know i, I have, my passion now is being a patient advocate and, and writing to books about how people can use treatments that most doctors won't know about But it all started a long time ago when I was growing up. My dad was a general practitioner back in the so-called good old days of medicine, and he told me, stay away from doctors. That's what he told me. He told me that they were greedy and they were money-grubbing, et cetera, et cetera. So I basically did. I, I stayed away. And uh, for years, I, I was a teacher. I was a, uh, an, an English teacher in college. And then I became a public relations consultant, which I loved. I was out on my own. I was uh, working with private practitioners. And uh, then in 1990, uh, at the age of 40, my husband was diagnosed with a cancerous brain tumor, and everything changed for me. Um, it, it, it was very, very, you know, I had thought... One would have thought, let me put it that way in the passive tense there, that with my background and, you know, being told by my father to be very suspicious that I would have just, you know, started doing research. I would have just been calm, cool, and collected, but I was not. I was terrified. I went in lockstep with what the doctors advised for my husband, Tim. So he did chemo, radiation, first surgery, of course. And the tumor was the size of an orange and i really did not do what i should have done you know right away which was to start researching and he he was supposed to live 18 months to 3 years that was the prognosis and it was terrifying but after about 2 years i began to say oh my goodness he's he's still living you know and uh, he was starting to suffer every side effect of the treatments, you know, like, like skin that wouldn't heal uh, because of the radiation, bad side effects from the chemo. And I then said, you know, if you want to keep this wonderful man, this love of your life for, for more years, you better start doing research. And I did. And we found a nutritionist, Dr. Gene Wallace who really knew, you know, which foods he should be eating, which supplements he should take. And she, by the way, followed the European studies. So she wasn't just, you know, going and throwing the the whole, you know, bottle at us. And uh, we did. And he started to do better. And he started to, to feel better. And what I noticed, Ryan, is that the doctors were not at all interested in what we were doing. And that bothered me although not enough to, to really take that much notice because at least they weren't stopping me. Yeah. And he started to do better, as I said, and he lived 12 years beyond. He lived for 15 years, you know, um, and uh, we would go to the doctor and the doctors, as I said, were not at all interested. But then something happened in, in about the year 2000. He had a recurrence of the tumor. And your audience may not know, but with with a uh, cancerous brain tumor, the recurrence has come much more, much quicker than than 10 years uh, post-diagnosis. But his waited a long time to come back. And at that point, I, I said, you know, he should not have this this uh, surgery because he had had trouble healing the first time. And I won't go. The I tell all the, the gruesome stories in Honest Medicine in my first first book, Honest Medicine, about how he wouldn't heal and all of that in the beginning. So, but I was talked out of it by uh, out of not doing the surgery by his neurosurgeon, and he did. This, we did the surgery, and his skin wouldn't heal, and the doctors did eight additional surgeries. I have to say that slowly. Eight additional surgeries wow. to try to find two pieces of skin that would hold together. And uh, what was it that Einstein once said about the definition of insanity? Keep mm-hmm. doing the same, same thing, thing over and over again. Results, yeah. you know? oh, and, uh, you know, then he had walked into the surgery. Great. You know, telling jokes, etc. By the time the eight additional surgeries were completed, he was bed bound, he was very brain injured. And at that point, he was still my husband, though. I still wanted him to live, you know. And a friend, a doctor actually, said, have you heard of Silver Lawn? And Silver, I said, what? Silver what? He said, it is an FDA-approved uh, material that uh, for non-heal all non-healing wounds, and I think you should try it. So it's a long story. It's a dramatic story that I tell in Honest Medicine of how I got permission to put lawn on my husband's head when he was in the hospital. It was very unusual. They don't like you to bring in other treatments. And it started to work overnight. His skin started to heal for the first time. And I was over the moon. I was so excited. And I thought that his doctors would be too. Silly me. Because they weren't. And one doctor even came to me, one who had liked me before this a lot. And he came to me and he said, We don't think it was what you found for your husband that made him heal. And I was surprised because nothing else had worked, you know? And I said, well, what do you think it was? And he said, well, we all have been talking about this and we think it was the vancomycin. Ryan, that's the IV uh, antibiotic that my husband had been on for six weeks at least. And I pointed that out. I said, you know, doctor, he's been on it for six weeks. And these were the words that made a change in my life. The doctor said to me, vancomycin is like that. It kicks in. I was amazed. And I decided from that day forward that there must be other treatments out there, like Silverlawn, that most doctors don't know about, don't use, that are even more effective in many cases. I don't want to say all the time in many cases than the standard of care treatments. And I did. I looked hard and I found, in addition to Silverlawn, that's treatment number one in Honest Medicine, yeah. I found the ketogenic diet, which is now very popular. It was not when I was first writing about it, you know. But it was used for epilepsy in the beginning since from 1920 in, at uh, at Johns Hopkins and the Mayo Clinic. And it was not being used, you know, when, when, uh, when anti-seizure medication came along, doctors stopped using it. So I wrote about the ketogenic diet for epilepsy, intravenous alpha lipoic acid for end stage liver disease and some cancers. And then the the treatment that I also wrote about in in the power of honest medicine, low dose naltrexone, LDN for autoimmune diseases. Mm -hmm. And that has been my journey. Um, to try to get this kind of information out to the public. And I think it's working. I, I'm very pleased. I'm not the only one who's writing about about these treatments, but I, I'm, I'm glad to play my part.
0: Are you having trouble finding hand sanitizer? Well, Spa Treat has you covered. There's no need to go searching high and low. Just visit spatreatofficial.com and place your order on their easy-to-use website. On schedule delivery. One of the great things about this product, Spa Treat Fulfillment Team is working around the clock to provide people hand sanitizer during this time of need and get your order to you as quickly as possible, even faster than Amazon. Spa Treat also has the lowest price of any of its competitors. Spa Treat has 62% alcohol content and the FDA recommends between 60 to 80 for maximum protection. This one has 62 because it doesn't dry your hands out. I use this stuff every single day. It is fantastic. It's got certified organic extracts with the ingredients in that hand sanitizer that are of the highest quality and they're designed to leave your hands smelling and feeling fresh while protecting you at the same time. The best part, there's no tricky residue left over. None. None of that sticky stuff. Four scents available, unscented, tea tree, lavender, and lemon. And best of all, this product right here is made in the good old United States of America. A lot of companies are having trouble dealing with the current demands, so Spa Treat has dedicated themselves to providing a much-needed product in the time of crisis. Spa Treat has better prices, faster shipping, and a larger supply than any of their competition. There isn't even a close second. Visit spa and enter promo code SPA SPA at checkout to receive 5% off your entire order. That's right. Not only are they offering the lowest price available, but they're also offering our listeners a discount. This promo code is exclusive to Voice America and only our listeners get this discount. Spa and Voice America came together on this sponsorship in order to provide Americans something they could really need right now, peace of mind. Visit spa and order yours today. That's spa and make sure you use the promo code S P a at checkout to receive 5% off your entire order. Spa get your awesome hand sanitizer. It's, it's really important for folks to kind of get a different side of the story for treatment. Um, you know, I'll, I'll share a story with you. I was uh, 15 years old when my father died from cancer. Um, and you know, the, the, the weirdest thing for me watching all of this happen is, you know uh in the very beginning we were like oh we need to find alternative medicines and you know we tried several different things and my dad didn't get better but he didn't get worse either right um with with the alternative medicines that my mom and him were trying and you know i don't remember exactly what all of those were I, i was 15 i was i was 12 when he got diagnosed or 11 or something like that um And they, they diagnosed him with stage four cancer. He's supposed to die in, you know, four to six months or something like that. And he ended up living for three or four years. Um, and I started to notice that he actually started to decline and be different when he finally actually made the decision to go and do chemo and radiation. And, you know, they had him on all kinds of pain meds and all this kind of stuff. And, um, that that's the moment where my dad was no longer like, I mean, he was my dad physically, but mentally he, he wasn't the same guy that he was before when he started going through those um, through those treatments, through those procedures. And it was a really tough thing for me to watch as a young kid. And um, that's why I think it's really important for people to, you know, have alternatives to big pharma and those things, because I think in a lot of cases, some of the, uh, the, the practice of medicine, right. And that's why they call it practice and not the fact of medicine. Um, you know, they're, they're trying all these different things out. And this was in the uh, early nineties when all of this happened. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of different advances today, but even, even right now, if you go to the doctor and you have cancer, the first treatment is, Oh, let's get you on some uh, pills and you're going to do chemo and radiation. Um, and you don't yeah. They don't really offer any other alternatives unless you as a human being decide to go seek those other um, alternate care options. And the doctors like non-supportive of those types of uh, treatments. It's insane.
1: You know, you mentioned a very good point, and I'm glad you, you said the last thing you did, because that's the saddest part to me, that they are not curious about things that, that you might be trying. I mean, for instance, the brain tumor diagnosis. Uh, my husband had the, the next most serious kind of cancerous brain tumor. The most serious one is the glioblastoma. He had the astrocytoma three. But I've been researching uh, it. I started researching, of course, way back then. You know that the, that the prognosis for, for living has not changed except for by a few months. In other words, what they're doing – by the way, for a glioblastoma, the the prognosis is about a year or 15 months. And in other words, what they are doing is not working, and it hasn't worked. And that's why when you come to them with other treatments and they don't even say, oh, how interesting – that is shameful as far as i'm concerned not that they don't know about it because they as Bert berkson dr Bert berkson in in honest medicine points out they are trained and not educated big difference
0: um well and but, the fact that the doctor also you know and when you become a doctor i mean just like when a police officer becomes a police officer they have this you know oath you know the officer has an oath to protect and serve the community and they're going to do all of these great things um I mean, doctors also take an oath that they're going to take care of their patients and they're going to be nurturing and all of these things. And you find the complete opposite when you go in a non-traditional, non-big farmer route and you get the, you get the, you get the hand, like, don't talk to me. You know what I mean? And it's not, it's terrible. Um, how do we I'm spread sorry, the how know. do we spread the word on this Julia how do we get how do we get more people involved and create some kind of a movement you know because I'm not saying that there's not a place for traditional western medicine there absolutely is but um you know sometimes I think a lot of doctors they go to the extreme as their first maneuver versus looking at something that might be more simple I mean uh, for me i I haven't I don't take flu shots I don't know what's in that thing. You know, I don't, I don't know. I never I never had uh, flu shots on the corner of every street when I was growing up. You know, there was none of that, even when they came out with the uh, the chicken pox vaccine. It's not like they were, you know, uh, had signs at Walgreens that said, come get your chicken pox vaccine. Um, you know, it, it seems to have just grown over and over the years where. You know these vaccines, these things. Everybody wants you to spend money on them, and I feel like it's just a big conspiracy theory against the standard, uh, you know, human populace to spend money on things that are possibly not even necessary.
1: And the thing is, you know, you mentioned how do we get the word out? Um, you know, with May, the, the the answer as as the subtitle of many chapters in Honest Medicine is. Thank God for the internet, because that's where people are finding things. And I know there's some bad information out there, but there's also some good information. But the truth is that the mainstream media really has dropped the ball because they are run by big pharma. There's no doubt about it. Um, You mentioned flu shots, right? Um, I I don't know if you know about uh, Robert Kennedy Jr.'s uh, books and he's written. He's very, very well known. He's Robert, Bob, Bobby Kennedy's son, mm-hmm. and he's very well known, you know, as an as an advocate for climate change, you know, about climate change and all of that. But he has written a book or edited a book called Thimerosal, which is about vaccinations. And he is not anti-vaccine. He is just for more information to be out there. And do you know that he has gone public and uh, and to say that even though you know, with his name, his prestige, et cetera, et cetera, he cannot get on major media talking about this topic, and this is this is bad. There's a shutout because because big pharma is the major one of the major uh, advertisers, sponsors on most radio shows, and especially the news. And uh, if you watch 60 Minutes, you'll see that Pfizer is one of, I believe it's Pfizer, is one of their big sponsors, you know. And the same thing goes for the print publications. Um, if you read something like People Magazine, you'll see that, that they're heavily promoted by uh, sponsored with with pharmaceutical ads. So you're yeah. not getting the, the word out. The answer seems to be, at least in this country, uh, online. Facebook has uh, many, many over 30 um uh facebook groups devoted to low dose naltrexone believe it or not Julia these and-
0: these topics that you're talking about right now about the ads on on major media this is this this particular thing is one of the exact reasons why I am here at voiceamerica.com doing media and doing uh content creation via the medium of internet talk radio and podcasting rather than working for a traditional am or fm radio station and 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 the reason why is every single one of our shows on the network is not funded by sponsors or advertisers that tell the uh, tell the radio show host what they can and cannot talk about they are th- true thought leaders across the spectrum of many different industries and many different uh, uh You know, uh, uh, channels that we have on the network and none of them have sponsors that say, hey, you know, um, you can't interview X, Y, Z because they're against A, B and C and we're running ads for A, B and C on your network. And I, I I guarantee you that happens every single day in traditional large scale media. You know, like the Foxes, the CBS's, the NBCs, the all all of those major networks are all playing ads from some type of big pharma. And you know they're not going to let uh, you know Doctor Doctor Drew interview somebody um, that's counterproductive to their ability to generate revenue because of big pharma. It's just never going to happen.
1: No, it's not. And by the way, this is in, in kind of juxtaposition, maybe com- comparison to, uh, we we're talking about low-dose naltrexone, which we can get into more if you want to later. But in Norway, there was one of the uh, contributors to the power of honest medicine is a man named Frank Melhus, M-E-L-H-U-S. And Frank was the producer, is, excuse me, Frank, is the videographer on the biggest TV station, I say biggest. It's, it, in Norway, it's probably small, but it's big for them. And uh, TV2. And he he had a condition, of optic neuritis, which is a precursor often to MS, multiple sclerosis. And he was losing his his eyesight. And uh, as Frank says, you know, oh my goodness. Uh, he says, I used to love drugs, you know, medication." says, but none of them were working. So he finally went online, just like I've suggested, and he found low-dose naltrexanol. Well, it worked. So he talked to his, uh, his producers, and they must not have been influenced by big pharma, because at first they said, well, there's not a lot of studies. He said, no, 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 I just want to tell people's stories and they allowed him to do it's a wonderful wonderful uh documentary if people want to write to me at juliethonestmedicine.com i can send it to you because frank did a version which has english subtitles and uh, it was aired in 2013 and frank in, in his in his contribution in the power of honest medicine he's so cute he goes i was sitting there waiting you know for the for the documentary to come on the air and he goes i'm the most powerful man in norway and he said it was such charm you know and indeed he was because after the uh, after the documentary aired the use of ldn went from 300 To fifteen thousand people, literally overnight, and seventy-five percent of all doctors will now prescribe it. See what the power of of the media, if they're not run by big pharma, can do.
0: Yeah, no, that's that's amazing, and you know, I love that story. Oh, I do, I absolutely do. Um, You know, like I said, I think there's a place for Western medicine. There's a place for pharmaceutical drugs in some certain circumstances. Um, You know, I, I just feel like. Uh, we'll use the opioid crisis as an example, you know, half of the reason we have an opioid crisis because the pharmaceutical companies are pumping these things out like they're candy, uh, oh, no. you know, and, and then doctors are are prescribing them. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, you hurt your elbow here. You know, in, instead of saying, uh, get an ice pack, take some ibuprofen or, you know, uh, go take a rest, take a nap, sleep, maybe, uh, put some, uh, you know, put some, uh, uh, hot and icy on there, or something like that, you know, they immediately like, oh, here, let me give you some, uh, some, some Vicodin or some Percocets, you know, and, and, and that, that's just an opening the doorway for people to be controlled by big pharma. I watched this happen to young athletes uh, here in Arizona. There's several news stories that have circulated here recently where, you know, a young athlete who's, you know, just in, in a freshman or sophomore in high school is playing football, baseball. I can't remember exactly what sport it was. They broke their arm. Uh, and so then they broke their arm. The doctor prescribes them all of these meds. And uh, then the next thing you know, two years later, this kid's a senior and uh, isn't able to function, it lost a scholarship possibility because they were hooked on drugs. Um, they couldn't get the pills that they were on before because they didn't have a prescription. So they turned to heroin um, to, right. to to get the same thing. And then, you know, you have that kind of scenario happening over and over and over and over again in America and big pharma just profits off of all of it while all of our people die.
1: That's that's exactly right. And you know what? You mentioned young people and you're absolutely right there. But when it comes to senior citizens, did you know that senior citizens often are on 10, 15, 20 medications? There are <laughs> some companies that are, they, they advertise that they'll help, they'll help you to put your, your, your meds in the right pocket. You know, they, they have these big, Tape, these big things they, they they put them in. You know, at eight o'clock you take this one, at nine o'clock you take this one, at ten o'clock on and on through Yeah, the those day.
0: big plastic storage bins with a—you uh, know—here's here's here's your two storage bins for your morning dose, and your two storage bins for your afternoon and evening dosages, and oh, you have. Yes. You know, four four sets of stuff that you take every day. Yeah, it's 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 it is it is out of control. I mean, uh, you know, I'm laughing,
1: but it's not funny.
0: No, you know what's funny is I, I I take I take one pharmaceutical prescription every day, and it's for heartburn because no matter how hard I tried to to use uh, you know some some t- non traditional ways like cayenne pepper, um, using lemons, uh, you know, drinking pickle juice. Like there's all these kind of you know. Uh, uh, homeopathic kind of remedies for heartburn. I tried all of that before I went to my doctor and I was like, Hey, I tried this, I tried this, I tried this, I tried that. Um, what, what can you do to help me? And that, that's when I finally was like, okay, here's, here's maybe an idea where there's a place for Western medicine. Like, um, and, and that's the only one medication I take. And sometimes I forget to take it and I might not take it for four
1: days right, <laughs> and then go, right, Oh, right. And, then, and
0: then I'll get heartburn and I'll go like, Oh, I haven't taken any of these in a while. Um, right.
1: But but ten to fifteen medications. That's I just
0: mean, Lord, I can't even Lord imagine Lord have that. Mercy. I can't even imagine that. It's just crazy. Oh, no, and,
1: and, and they and Big Pharma spreads the rumor that uh, that, you know, it's it's patient compliance, they say, that keeps you healthy. What that means is that you take the drugs the way the doctor said. And uh, so so there's everybody involved in, in whatever this is, you know. The well, doctors. Don't, don't the you think AA, that also
0: drives up you know, uh, you know when you have so many people on so many medications, and that also means that you have insurance companies that are paying for all of these medications, which in that, in that, uh, to, to make a point, wouldn't that actually increase the cost of healthcare overall uh-huh. for insurance companies? And if you weren't feeding so many pills to everybody, maybe health insurance would be less expensive.
1: Yes. And you know what? In this current race, uh, you know, uh, debates and all of that, I wish that the that the candidates would not keep saying life saving medications, you know, and talk. They're absolutely right that medications cost too much. Absolutely right. What they don't bring up is the fact that often doctors are prescribing medications in a way that they shouldn't. You know, in other words, to counteract the side effects of one medication, they'll give you another one. And then on and on and on. So you can have somebody on 15 meds and, and 10 of them could be to counteract side effects. You yeah, don't know. That, yeah,
0: that, that was how my dad was when he was going through cancer treatment. It was like, OK, the cancer treatment made you nauseous. So here's a pill for nauseam. Um, you're in a lot of pain. So here's morphine. Uh, morphine makes you constipated. So here's a pill to make you poop. Um You know, and on and on and on. I mean, it's, it's just, it's crazy. I mean, this is why, you know, I'm a huge advocate and we've done, we've done several shows on the topics of like CBD and medical marijuana. Um, And I'm, I'm a whole, I'm a full believer that cancer patients who can't eat or nausea should just smoke a joint or or ingest an edible um, rather than go through the rigmarole of all of those medicines to counteract what the other medicines are doing. Like go try something natural. (laughs)
1: Absolutely. And there are also, you know, just when, when uh, John McCain was uh, diagnosed with the uh, glioblastoma, that's the, 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 it's called the terminator, by the way, it's, it's the worst brain tumor. Um, I told you that my husband's was a grade below it. This was the the big one. And uh, I, I, I started to look, this is when I restarted to research, you know, about brain tumors, you know, because my husband has been gone for several years now. And I see that this, that the life expectancy is no longer than it was, you know, no better than it was. So I wrote an article that basically was, I believe the title exactly is, my husband lived 12 years beyond his prognosis, what does this have to do with John McCain? And I can send, I can send the link to people if they want it, because basically what I did was I said, okay, the standard of care is fine, but it really alone, does not, in most cases, I always have to say in most cases, prolong life the way we want to see. So there are several other treatments, some of them natural, some of them, you know, things like low dose naltrexone, which is a drug, but a very, very, very low dose of a drug. And I gave several examples of things that people like John McCain and other brain tumor patients should do. And, uh, you know, most people are like, thank you, you're online, I shared it online. And in the brain tumor groups, they were very thankful that that because their doctors hadn't told them about things like uh, the ketogenic diet, For by the way, the ketogenic diet, which in honest medicine, I just talked about for, uh, for epilepsy, it's now being used for cancer as well, but not as a standalone. Anyway, there were several different treatments that I wrote about. And people should know about these. And it, one of them was nutrition, uh, as, as you pointed out, you know, uh, but they don't. The doctors, they don't even believe in nutrition.
0: Yeah, I did a show last year uh, and I don't have the book in front of me, uh, but a gentleman wrote a book. How I, I think it was called How I Cured My Own Cancer. And uh, one of the discussions that we had during that show was he was he's similar story, right? think goes to the doctor. Hey, you have cancer. You have X amount of time to, to live. You need to start doing this, 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 this and this. And it overwhelmed him. And he said, you know what I did? I didn't do any of it. He's like, I literally, uh, I cashed in my 401k. I went and spent a year traveling through the woods and eating everything that was wholesome, whole grain, uh, raw food, um, you know, those types of things. And then he kind of was like, oh, I'm still alive. It's been a year. I'm going to go back to the doctor and see if what well, my prognosis is. He goes back to the doctor and he was cancer free. Wow. You Yeah. Know? Now-
1: Question: Did the doctor, was the doctor curious as to what he had done?
0: No, not at all. The doctor was just like, Oh, you're cancer free. Uh, that's great that you're cancer free. You know? Uh, and, and he said, well, don't you want to know what, what I, what I've done to do that? And, and he, he goes, um, you know, if you, I, I'm, I'm not going to not tell you that I don't want, I'll listen to it. But he, did he take action? Did he go, Whoa, I need to tell my patients about this. No, absolutely not.
1: No. And I had a similar thing. My husband and I had a similar thing when you know he was known as the doctor the neurosurgeon's miracle patient because he was living way beyond his his prognosis you know his, his and uh, i remember distinctly one visit that where we were talking to the neurosurgeon who was a very jolly kind of guy and he asked my husband what meds he was on and my husband reeled them off you know and, and my husband then said and i'm also on a lot of supplements and the doctor said next question you know <laughs> He was not interested. Hey, yeah, like he didn't even want to know. No, he had no, he had no curiosity at all. Yet my husband was his miracle patient.
0: <laughs> yeah, and you would think that if a doctor is. Seeing positive results, even though it wasn't something that he prescribed that you would think that they would be more interested in what that is. Um, Again, I go back to the terminology of the practice of medicine. You know, every single time that they tell you to go do A, B and C, they might. The reason they're telling you to do that is because they've practiced that on somebody before and saw positive results. So if you're or didn't. (laughs) But but my point is, is if you are using standard traditional Western medicine and you say, okay, I'm practicing medicine, I've practiced this before, it had good results, I'm going to now have another patient try the same thing because my other patient had good results, why would you not have the same way of thinking for non-Western, non-traditional medicines? they
1: just don't. And this is, you know, the other thing that, that makes me so angry is that uh, a lot of times people will tell me oh my doctor's great he's he or she said keep doing what you're doing and I said that's, I said that's not so great because they weren't curious about what it was you're doing you know so keep doing what you're doing just means I'm not interested but God bless you you know
0: uh, that's just so oh, what a shame what a shame Julia that upsets me
1: it does it upsets me and and you know what the the treatments that i write about have so much going for them you know and uh, still oh my goodness you know we're talking about the ketogenic diet which now is being used for health reasons you know for weight loss and all of that but yeah i see uh, i see
0: videos on facebook like every other day of uh, you know these giant bodybuilder guys swearing by the keto diet for uh, you know losing weight and getting fit and all that kind of stuff Um uh, so I, well, I,
1: it was originally used for, and it still is, you know, for, uh, for as I said, epilepsy and now somewhat for cancer. And Jim Abrams, he was a Hollywood, have you seen the movie Airplane? Yeah. It's a classic. Yeah. Well, Jim Abrams is the writer, director, producer of Airplane. And uh, in 1990, the funny movie, right? In 1994, something not so funny happened and his son started having these seizures. And uh, so it's a wonderful story. He tells it in Honest Medicine about how the doctors had little Charlie on four or five medications at once, and he was just becoming stoned and still having seizures, you know, and then Jim found the ketogenic diet, and uh, the rest is history. And Jim went on, you know, the ketogenic diet, stopped little Charlie's seizures, and he's been seizure-free for, for he's now a, a college graduate, and he's seizure-free And Jim now runs the Charlie Foundation, charliefoundation.org, C-H-A-R-L-I-E foundation.org. And he says, I still get calls from people who are told that they shouldn't try the ketogenic diet. They should go with drugs. And he says, you know, it, it feels like we haven't gotten anywhere. I say, yeah, Jim, you have gotten a lot, you know, because now a lot of people know about it for epilepsy, but it's discouraging. Well, you know,
0: it it kind of feels like, though, even though we've been kind of, you know, talking about the discouraging components of some of these different uh, uh, methods of care that are non-traditional, the more people I talk to, and, you know, we do several health and wellness type shows on a yearly basis for finding your frequency talking about these types of topics. And it seems like not all doctors are like that. It seems like there are a handful of, I guess you'd call them like really human being doctors who care about humans and, and, and not the other things there. It seems like there are some changes happening in some of those spaces, though, not to be all doom and gloom. But no, no, right? absolutely. So, some, glad, some people glad. are some people are kind of advocating, um, you know, new and different styles or approaches.
1: Absolutely. Um, as a matter of fact, uh, when, with regard to low-dose naltrexone, which is the subject of, totally of uh, the power of honest medicine, um, now there are over 1,000 doctors worldwide who do, uh, pr- who do prescribe low-dose naltrexone for a variety of autoimmune diseases. And that's very encouraging. And, what, are, and what, are those, what
0: are those autoimmune diseases that LDN can help?
1: Oh, God, you know, I'd, we, we'd be here for days, but let <laughs> me just tell you, that absolutely, what I decided to do with the power of honest medicine is to include stories by people of the most common ones. You know, the ones where you'd say, oh, yeah, I've heard of that. Uh, one is Crohn's, another is multiple sclerosis, lupus, uh, psoriasis, but have wonderful results with psoriasis. Uh, myasthenia gravis uh, fibromyalgia oh, that's a biggie fibromyalgia yeah, yeah, it is. Uh, rheumatoid arthritis um, you know just a whole bunch of them and uh, I decided I would I would include mainly the ones that are just very well known um, Hashimoto's oh thyroid disease my goodness there's even there are even Facebook groups devoted to uh, LDN for thyroid and uh, Parkinson's is another one you know a lot of the neurological diseases also have um, an autoimmune component. So I tried to put a whole bunch of them in the book and uh, people from all around the world too. I have people from the US, UK, Netherlands, Germany, Norway, France, Belgium, Italy, and Finland. So I think that's kind of amazing that the story is spreading. So that's the good news, isn't it?
0: Yeah, no, it really is good news because I I think you can't have change without change, Right. And and how do you affect change in people is, you know, doing what you're doing right now, coming on radio shows like this, uh, making sure that the information that you're finding is being disseminated to the proper people. You know, we probably won't get any help from the mainstream media, but, you know, uh, social media is a very powerful tool uh, and getting the word out. It's just about, you know, finding the people that are actually want to not listen, but uh, not hear, but listen to what you have to say. You know what I mean?
1: Exactly, and by the way, um, there's a w- with Facebook. I, I really, you know, I'm very active on Facebook for educational purposes. You know, to get the words out. And uh, for instance, when this when this uh, interview is is online, I will of course uh, link to it and tell people, and they they listen, and they're very pleased that that you share. If you share real information, not just hey, I just wrote another book, good for me. You know, you yep. shouldn't do that. But if you say, "Hey, this interview had very good information," and and Ryan was extremely, do you know what I'm saying? Mm, and absolutely. you get the word out there. So I didn't mean to sound so negative. Um, I just always want to make things better. So that's that's my my cross to bear. Yeah. Okay? Well, more
0: doctors should take that approach too, Julia.
1: <laughs> well, they but should I want to make I come things better. <laughs> negative when 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 I'm really not. I mean. I'm am saying hey, there are over 30 groups on Facebook devoted to LDN. I had to use Google Translator to to try to put posts. I'm I'm a member of the ones you know in Germany, and Norway, you know, and finally I realized that they that they speak English better than I could ever do, you know, with Google with Google Translator. <laughs> yeah. So I even post on those, and they're they're very glad that to yeah. learn all these things. They are.
0: Well, when you start talking about the use of LDN for all those autoimmune diseases, are there starting to be some kind of studies um, showcasing how its effectiveness has been um, now that there's been some things that are that are
1: rolling out? Well, you just brought up a, a very good point, and that is that there. yes, the answer is yes, I should I should start by answering your question. There are studies that are being done, but they're small studies. For instance, a wonderful man named Jared Younger, um, he was at Stanford. Now he's in, I believe, Alabama, but he did several studies that were published in prestigious publications, small studies about LDN for fibromyalgia. And uh, then there was a Jill Smith, and she did several studies that were about Crohn's disease. And, uh, you know, so there are several small studies out there, but there's a wonderful chapter in Honest Medicine. My first book by Dr. David Gluck, who, by the way, I should give a shout out to the literal inventor of low-dose naltrexone. David Gluck, Dr. Gluck, was a colleague of Dr. Bernard Bahari, the literal inventor of low-dose naltrexone. And David Gluck Dr. Bahari had died before Honest Medicine was was while, while Honest Medicine was being written. Actually, while I was writing it, and David Gluck wrote a chapter in Honest Medicine or contributed a chapter in Honest Medicine about why the big company, the big why why there are no big studies done on, about low dose naltrexone, and it comes down to money. You know, what pharmaceutical company would really do studies on this low cost? Oh, I didn't tell you. It's less than $50 a month, you know, to take to get yeah. LDN. This is not without co This is just straight out of your pocket. And uh, it just isn't profitable, you know. And if they did the big studies, they would be done. Ryan, did you know that 90% of all FDA studies are, are sponsored by the pharmaceutical company that makes the drug?
0: Of course well, it is.
1: Of course it is. Everybody knows that now, I guess. And yeah, well uh, I just would,
0: it, it's it's so transparent they don't even try to hide it anymore. They you know, don't. I I I you know, in, in the idea of science, there's always this thing called third party verification. Yeah. Right? Um and so if you have the pharmaceutical company paying for the study for its own stuff, where's third party verification to showcase that the science is real? I mean, that's it's just the, that's just one oh one when you talk about science.
1: I know. And you know what it's so elementary. There was a book called Overdosed America by John Abramson, and it was many years ago that he wrote it. But he basically wrote exactly what you're saying. You know that he wrote about the BiOX scandal, which was many years ago. You know the FDA approved BiOX, and then it started killing people. You know after it was approved, and uh, John Abramson wrote this book talking about how the pharmaceutical companies are really in control of all this, and they are hiding. the the studies where, where the drug fails, you know, if the drug fails, the pharmaceutical company is not publishing the study, even though they're supposed to. So that's another bad thing, you know,
0: yeah, you think that, um, you know, I'm so libertarian, so I'm kind of against regulation. But I think, you know, and this, this may be a case where there needs to be more regulation uh, of those types of studies to make sure that they adhere to some type of uh, governance uh, set of rules or guidelines to make sure that the data is not tainted.
1: Yeah, you know what, as John Abramson pointed out in in in, in his book, you know, He says the doctors don't even know how to read these studies, you know, and they they really don't. So they go and, and, oh, this is another thing. Um, You know, the pharmaceutical companies are so great at sending out press releases, the newest wonder drug and all of that. So, you know, people are being prescribed things that may not work, you know. And uh, it's a shame. And then not being prescribed things that may work. And I'm never going to say that each one of the treatments I write about works 100% of the time. That's not true. But they do work in many cases. You know,
0: Julia, to me, honestly, do you know what else is kind of... Uh, hard to fathom, too, is if you uh, watch entertainment shows, I'll give you an example. My wife and I really love I'm not going to use any names of the shows because I don't want anybody to sue me. But um, (laughs) we we watch shows that are like about, you know, uh, doctors and patients and, you know, how they interact with each other. and, And you get the gist, right? Uh, There's there's television shows about that. And so when I'm watching these TV shows and I see um, I see it's written in the script where, uh, you know, the head of a hospital is having a conversation with a pharmaceutical representative and the conversation that they're having is. Similar to, hey, well, you know, if you guys can uh, help push, um, you know, our brand of uh, of medicine to your patients here at the hospital, um, then we would be more likely to help you with a grant or some additional funding for your hospital's new helicopter landing pad, um, you know, some new equipment, some new whatever. And, you know, that right there is a problem. And it's even being vilified in entertainment where people watch this on television. And I I swear this is done on purpose. So that way it's it, it dumbs everything down, but puts it up in your face. So then it makes you as a viewer, as a patient, as a human being, think that that type of behavior is okay, And it's not. Yeah.
1: It is not. There, by the way, if people want to Google the, the title of this, uh, this uh, article that I'm going to tell you about, I think it was in Wired magazine. I, I haven't talked about this in ages, but it's called Rent a Researcher. And that's exactly what it's about. It's about a uh, researcher named Aubrey Blumson in England who basically lost his job in in a prestigious hospital because he would not he, he was hired you know to do a study and all of that and he would not until he saw the re, the re, re, results of, of all of it he would not say that this drug and I forget which it is that's good because I don't want to get sued right <laughs> he would not say without seeing the raw data he would not say that this drug that this drug was helpful and he lost his job. And uh, he kept pushing and pushing. Finally, he was given the raw data and the, it proved that the, this drug did not work, as the uh, pharmaceutical company was saying. And he was vindicated, but he, as I said, lost his job. They, they, you know, the hospitals and and researchers are dependent on these pharmaceutical companies for grants.
0: Oh, yeah. Uh, and it just it boggles my mind, the amount of money that gets spent on healthcare nationally in the USA and then and you know and honestly it doesn't even matter. I mean you, you talk about like and I'm not going to get too political here but you know you have some people who are like want free healthcare or government based healthcare or non-government based healthcare that you pay for or whatever the case may be. And like I feel like it doesn't really matter which direction you go. It's still going to be so hyperinflated that you know whether we're paying for it ourselves or paying for it out of taxes or however that's going to work, it's still overinflated from the get-go. Because- because of these uh, inherent large companies that are in bed with the hospitals, and the hospitals are dependent on them, and you know these these, it, it then becomes all about the almighty dollar and profitability for large corporations, and becomes nothing for the consumer, the patient, the human being, and uh, that that that's therein lies the problem. It's it's kind of it's almost like a chessboard that was set up wrong, and it's ready to fail before you even move your first piece.
1: I like that. A chess board that was set up wrong. Beautifully say, stated. Um, I, I will use that, and I will quote you, all right, because okay. <laughs> that's, that's it. It's set up wrong, and uh, it, it's a shame, because other countries, I understand, are not that bad, but I could be wrong. Um, in Honest Medicine, um, one of the people who, who contributed information was a dietitian for the ketogenic diet, uh, named Beth Zupic, Kenya. and the other dietitian is Millie Kelly, who was really the the pioneer. But Beth Zupic Kenya you know does does trainings all over the world, you know, in hospitals and how the how they can do the ketogenic diet. She says it's so much easier in other countries and countries other than ours because other countries, you know the the hospitals are getting huge donations from the uh, pharmaceutical companies. so, it's it's a mess, but it's it's getting better. Okay, I don't want to sound so negative, but it really is getting better.
0: Yeah, I want to. I'll, I'll highlight something that is possibly good, right? And there's a lot of people in the world that have uh, diabetes and they rely on insulin, right? In order to in order to survive, to keep their uh, blood sugar in check, um, so that way they don't die. Um, Congress is, actually has some stuff on the table. It's uh, HR. 4906 um, that will stop the price gouging of insulin. And I th- think it was Virginia. Uh, may be wrong. I was reading this the other day um, that they were capping the total cost per month at like uh, 75 or $85 or something. I may be off on the on the cost. Ryan, we'll I think it, up, it was Illinois. Was it Illinois? Yeah, but
1: I, somebody... I'm from Illinois. I think it was.
0: Yeah, and they passed a bill to make sure that everybody would be able to afford insulin and, you know, I think that those types of legislation are at least a start, you know, a, a, a beginning in the right direction. Just a lot of people that are dependent on insulin for diabetes it's probably, I think, diabetes and heart uh, and, and heart disease are the number one and number two contributors of death of people uh, in the in the country.
1: Yeah, and you know what? Um, when I said in the, earlier in the show that most of the drugs are not life saving, that does not go. There are two that are my poster children for life saving drugs, and it's a shame that that the price price gouging is going on. And one is insulin. The other is the EpiPen. And I'm sure there are there are others, but those are my poster children because the EpiPen for for allergies and all of that. Oh yeah. my God, you know, kids can die without their EpiPens.
0: Yeah, well, and that's what I think you and I definitely agree with with the politicians who say, "Oh, we need to make life saving drugs better." Like, say what it is. Say insulin and EpiPens, right? And and yeah. and, and stop and stop grouping, you know, pain meds as life saving drugs. You know, in some instances, some of the pain meds are causing people to not get up off of their butts and go and do something different than what they're currently doing. So they don't have a chance to, you know, do some exercise or, you know, feel the burn (laughs) And, 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 and get better. You know what I mean? Uh, if 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 it's so easy to just pop some pills and not deal with it versus not popping pills and having to deal with it, a lot of people are going to choose the easier of the options and then nothing happens. No change is effective.
1: And guess what? You just mentioned something about uh, insulin and the prices of it. Did you know this is the, your audience may not know this. This is fascinating that the people who invented insulin and I don't have their names on the tip of my tongue purposely did not patent it. They did not want people to make, they did not want to make money off of it. Do you know what I mean? They wanted it to be in the public domain. Well, guess what? Of course, in the, it went out of the public domain and the pharmaceutical companies started making an arm and a leg. So even good good intentions by the inventors, you know, didn't didn't work. You know, it's terrible.
0: It sure is. I appreciate you, Julia, being on with us today and and, and sharing all of this uh, great information with our audience on finding your frequency. And it looks like to me, you found your frequency. I mean, you're out there, you know, really doing your thing, trying to uh, get the word out and let people know about all of the dishonesty, all of the pieces that are out there. But then also you're writing these great books like, uh, you know, like Honest Medicine and, uh just, I just can't believe all the great things that you're doing so let me tell you thank you for you doing what you're doing to help out some of uh, uh, some of the human beings on the planet.
1: And may I thank you for doing what you're doing and I've, I've totally enjoyed being on with you.
0: Well, thank you so much. We really appreciate it. We want to make sure to tell everybody to go check out honestmedicine.com. That's the website. Are you also on social media as well? Uh, You want to give out? out, Absolutely. Oh, my goodness. You want to give out your social handles?
1: (laughs) What? By the way, I have written articles for the Independent Book Publishers Association, eight so far, on how to use social media and radio to get your good message out there. So, yes, I have a Facebook page. Just S-C-H-O-P-I-C-K is my last name. There are no, any Shopik is related to me, but my first name is Julia. So you can find me there. And I have another Facebook page called Julia Shopik presents honest medicine. I also have a Twitter account, which I don't use that much because I found that 144 characters was not enough for me to say what I wanted to say. You got 288.
0: Now they changed it. You can do 288 characters now.
1: Still not enough, (laughs) (laughs) but I have to tell you, you can also find me on loads of the, uh, Of the facebook groups for for low dose naltrexone and uh, also for for the brain tumor i've gotten active in those again too uh there are loads of of them and i'm just i i I love social media so you know i know that uh, mark zuckerberg is doing crazy things with the election not he himself but facebook but i still find it's it's a magnificent way to communicate
0: Yeah, I absolutely agree. Well, Julia, thank you so much for being on the show today. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, big round of applause for Julia for being on the show. Thank you so much. Thank you. Make sure you guys go check out some of our past episodes of Finding Your Frequency, whether you're listening on Apple, iTunes, TuneIn, Stitcher, Google Play, or Spotify. We're all over the place. And again, like I said in the beginning of the show, please share this with your friends and give us five stars instead of four, because why not? Five stars are better. I think we did a good job, right, Julia? We deserve five stars we do. Absolutely. (laughs) Thank you guys for tuning in to Finding Your Frequency right here on the Voice America Talk Radio Network.